reading from John chapter 14. Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, because he abides with you, and he will be in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while the world will no longer see me, but you will see me, and because I live, you also will live. On that day you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me, and those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but it is from the Father who sent me. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not let them be afraid. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, as uh, I mentioned, uh, for those of you who are here for supper uh, this uh, earlier this evening, uh, what, 20 minutes ago? Not long. Uh, anyway. Before I get into uh, this, this verse, this passage, this is where I'm going, this passage is uh, a part of this long sermon that Jesus gives the night of his betrayal. So this is after the Last Supper, this is after Jesus has washed his disciples' feet, uh, and it's before he's been arrested. So Judas Iscariot has already left to betray Jesus. He's already gone on his way to find uh, the officials, the priests, the Pharisees, and uh, bring those soldiers to arrest Jesus. The Judas that asks that question in the middle is a different Judas. You notice that, not Iscariot, another Judas, uh, who was one of Jesus' disciples. Uh, So Judas has already gone out, so betrayal is in the air, uh, so to speak. And Jesus knows, of course, that this is going to be the night of his arrest. He knows that he's about to be taken from his disciples, and he knows that the next few days are going to be uh, the hardest few days of his disciples' lives as they wonder uh, whether they were fools to follow Jesus as they see him die on that cross. And so he gives this sermon, and I mentioned it's the longest or second longest, depending on how you measure it, uh, sermon that Jesus gives in any of the Gospels. Certainly it's the longest in John, and it's this sermon of comfort. And I uh, mentioned to people at my table, this is one of Martin Luther's favorite passages in all of Scripture. Uh, so one of uh, his Luther's works, one whole volume is dedicated to just John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Just this sermon of which we're hearing uh, one small part of in our reading. It's 400 pages, by the way. And so I wanted to just read a little bit. I won't read 400 pages. I printed it off so you can see that it's, it's, it's that long. It's not long. But this is just from the preface. This is how he opens. So this is Luther's understanding of, that, of this sermon of which this reading is a part. Luther writes this, The fourteenth chapter and the two that follow it contain the beautiful sermon delivered by Christ after the celebration of the Last Supper on the threshold of his suffering and his departure from his beloved disciples. 
With this sermon, he wanted to comfort and strengthen them both against the present sadness occasioned by his departure and against the suffering they would endure because of the devil, the world, and their own conscience. Indeed, here we find the best and most comforting sermon preached by Christ while on this earth. This sermon, he continues, contains the most precious and cheering consolation, the sweetest words of Christ, the faithful and beloved Savior, words of farewell to his disciples as he is about to leave them, words such as no man on earth is able to employ towards even his dearest and best friends. Now, judging from some of our reactions, uh, we might not have that same assessment that, G- that Luther has of, of this sermon. Although you have to love Luther's audacity that he ranks Jesus's sermons. This is the best one. He says those other ones, you know, they're good, but maybe not as high as this one. Uh, Luther has a, a way about him, a comfort, we could say, uh, with Jesus, that he could rank uh, Jesus's sermons. But as I've been studying, uh, you know, in preparation for, for preaching this passage, uh, so now, and but also on Sunday, I've been approaching it with this in mind, that this is a sermon of comfort. This is a sermon that Jesus is giving uh, to help his disciples through this uh, very difficult period over the next few days as he is killed and before uh, they are aware of his resurrection, before he shows up in that room with them again. Um, But also, there's a way that it looks forward beyond just that to his ascension and the time uh, after he ascends when no longer will they see him in the way that they see him now. This is, uh, of course, the situation that you and I are in today. And so reading this as a sermon of comfort, and, and it really is. I mean, this sermon is one of the very common places that funeral readings come from. Uh, In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. That's in here. I am the vine, you are the branches. That's in here. Uh, uh, You will endure suffering in the world, but your pain will turn into joy. Uh, That's in here. I have overcome the world. That's in here. Of course, the end of our our reading, don't let your hearts be troubled. Uh, My peace I leave with you. That's in here. There's there's all sorts of little sections in the sermon that get referred to uh, when we need comfort. But it starts out, and I admit I picked where we started in this sermon, but it starts out with that that line in our reading, if you love me, you will obey my commandments, or you will keep my commandments, rather. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I think I already know some of the answer to that question, but I want to ask again, what feeling do you get when you hear that line, if you love me, you will keep my commandments? Comfort? Is comfort one of them? No, I'm, I'm not seeing any yeses. Raise your hands if it's comfort. No, not one. All right. What other feelings do you get when you hear that? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Guilt. Guilt. Yeah. Doubt. What else? If. We just wonder about that if. It makes us uncomfortable at least. Yeah. What else? Any others? It sounds to me, it reminds me anyways, of something that an emotionally manipulative parent might say to their child. If you loved me, right, you would do this or that. Usually their adult child, I think. Uh, You know, you wouldn't uh, go to this school or you wouldn't marry this person or, you know, fill in the blanks. Uh, Hopefully you haven't had a parent say that to you and hopefully you haven't been that parent saying that to them. Anyways, I haven't yet been that parent, but who knows. Uh, but if you love me, you would obey my... It sounds like a, you know, like a way of trying to get something out of the disciples. So my question is, and my wondering today has been, if this is a sermon of comfort and good news, and so much so that Luther will write 400 pages about it, and, uh, and, and that Jesus chooses these words to give to his disciples right, I mean, the night of his arrest, 
How is this good news for them? How is this comfort for them? Or how is this comfort for us? It's based on love. So there's comfort in love, perhaps. I mean, we like love. We like to talk about love. The Beatles wrote a great song about love, right? All you need is love. We like love. How is this good news for us? Love's maybe a start, but I don't know if it gets us all the way there. You know, I, I wonder if this line is not so much meant to comfort on its own, but maybe is serving some other comfort. Maybe it's a step along the way. Maybe, maybe before you can really be comforted, you have to hear uh, something that's uncomfortable. Maybe before you hear the good news, you have to hear some bad news uh, before you can really receive the good news. Because, I mean, what Jesus does here, it does expose us. I think. I think this line exposes us. If you love me, you will obey my commandments. Because Jesus puts two things together here. He says, if you love me, then you will obey my commandments. These two things go together. One leads to the other. And that exposes us because I think very often we want to say, well, you know, I didn't obey the commandments that well today, but at least my heart's in the right place, right? You know, at least I had good intentions, although usually that's not true, but, you know, maybe somewhat good intentions. Or we say, well, at least I still love Jesus, but Jesus takes that away. Because you can reason that backwards. If you're not obeying or keeping his commandments, rather, if you're not keeping his commandments, then the reasoning goes backwards to say, well, then you don't really love Jesus, at least not in the way you should, at least not as much as you love some other thing, something else. And that feels pretty uncomfortable, doesn't it? That leaves us exposed. If, if we want to rely on our own love, if we want to rely on the quality of our love for Jesus or our love for God or our love for anybody, well, we're going to be disappointed. And this line from Jesus, it doesn't let us have that. We don't get to rely on our love for our self-worth or for our salvation or for our being able to claim that we're actually a good person despite those things we just said. Uh, we, we, don't, we don't get that. It's taken away from us. And so if we're holding on to our love as our comfort, as our source of who we are, then this is going to be bad news indeed. But this comes from Jesus, who is talking to disciples whom he knows will not keep his commandments. Uh, one of them in particular is going to deny him three times that very night, uh, and he's already told him uh, as much. I mean, he knows this. Uh, but he also is saying this. So he says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. He also says, I will not leave you orphaned. He also says, uh, Peace I leave with you. Peace I give to you. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let them be afraid. All the while speaking to people that he knows have not kept his commandments and will not keep his commandments. And therefore, do not love him. At least not as they ought. The love of God is so astonishing when you think about the way that it comes to us without our love. I mean, Paul writes it in Romans. He says, while we were enemies of God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. While we were enemies of God, Jesus Christ was given to die for us. That the love of God is such that it does not wait for your love to just get the things, uh, get the ball rolling or to, to get anything started. God just comes. Jesus just comes and goes to the cross for disciples that are about to deny him and scatter from him. 
and not just the disciples, but of course us as well. See, we don't rely on our own love. We can't rely on our own love. We have to rely on somebody else's love. It has to be Jesus's love. Because when Jesus's love comes to us, when it gets to us, when we receive it, when that advocate uh, brings it to us, when God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit makes his home with us, as Jesus says in all of this, if we look to it, we cling to it, right? We don't cling to what's in our hearts. We don't cling to our own capacity for love. We cling to Jesus's love. That's what we call faith, by the way, is when our heart clings to what Jesus is giving for us, what Jesus has promised us. And that faith will bring about love. Now, we probably won't notice it because we're not going to be looking at our own hearts. We're looking at somebody else's heart. We're looking at Jesus's heart. But as we do that, love is kindled, and that love will lead to keeping commandments. It will lead to what we call good works, caring for your neighbor. You might not notice it. In fact, you probably shouldn't notice it because you'll be looking at Jesus. You'll be too busy paying attention to Jesus and then the need of your neighbor. You won't even remember yourself. But as soon as you start looking in, those questions arise again. When Jesus ties these together, it's not a comforting thing because we rely or we want to rely on ourselves, that first thing. We want to rely on our own love. But Jesus's love comes despite that. And I think this line maybe, maybe one of the things he's doing is he's taking that away from his disciples so that they can trust the thing that is actually constant, the love that is actually enough, the love that comes to them even as they are about to betray, as they are about to uh, deny their Lord, as they're about to run from him. That's what I have for tonight. Amen.